Hi everyone, it's Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of interviewing Unsan, the awesome creator of the popular Instagram account, Every Single Word in Icelandic. On her account, you will find Icelandic words that she has illustrated as icons, which is helping her and others to learn the language. She has also created a book called Iceland in Icons, a pictographic travel guide, which I will have a link to in the show notes of this episode. It was so much fun to chat with her about how she fell in love with the country, why she started to learn the language, and some of the adventures she has been on around Iceland. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed conducting it. Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss when new episodes are published. If you find the show is helpful and or entertaining, please leave a review. It will help to encourage others who are interested in Iceland to listen to the show and maybe learn some fascinating facts or even help them if they're planning to come to the country. Unsan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to have a chance to meet you in person. Followed your Instagram a decent amount of time, and I think it's really awesome. But I just think in general, your story is fascinating. So we're going to kind of start off getting to know you a little bit. Yeah. And then dive a little bit deeper into all things Iceland regarding you. So you have a very interesting background. You were born in Korea, raised in Australia and Canada, and now you've been living in New York City for more than a decade. So I'm just wondering, because you've been exposed to so many different cultures, what made you gravitate towards Iceland? I think it was a little bit on a whim. So the first time I came to Iceland, I didn't actually like know that much about Iceland at all. I was actually just looking for a place to go on vacation over Thanksgiving holiday because Thanksgiving in, in America and Thanksgiving in Canada are at different times. And my family doesn't even celebrate Thanksgiving because we're Asian immigrants. Like the holiday doesn't have a lot of you know festivities in my family. So I wasn't going to go home. And all of my roommates at the time, like they were all American. So they were going to their families, you know, out of town. And so I was going to be in my apartment by myself. And I figured I would take the opportunity to travel somewhere on my own for the first time. And when I was looking at destinations, I was looking for a place that wasn't too far away because it's only a four-day weekend, somewhere that was safe and interesting and a good fit for someone who was traveling alone. So I wasn't going to go to like a beach vacation (laughs) or anything like that. And I actually happened to see like, this was when Iceland Air was running like crazy amounts of just display ads like all over the subway, Mm -hmm. like telephone boxes. And yeah, I just saw an ad that was like, come to Iceland. I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And I was just looking at like things to do around here. Yeah. Is it safe? Is it expensive? Like, how much time will I need to really explore the country? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that first trip was just like, yeah, this sounds good enough for me. And on that trip, it was quite short because again, it was only over a four day long weekend. I just found that I wasn't able to see everything that I wanted to. Mm. So, you know, after the four days, I was like, oh, you know, Thanksgiving comes every year. So I guess next year I could come back here. Yeah. And so then I booked another trip and that kind of kept on happening where after the second year, I was like, oh, there's still other things that I want to see. <laughs> like the summer is so different from the winter. So mm-hmm. after doing two winters, I was like, oh, I got to come back in the summertime. And then I came in the summer and I was like, oh, but there's like, you know, this different parts of the country that I want to see. And so I've just been coming back every year. And this is now my 10th trip. Wow. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, 
it almost feels like Iceland in some ways like another home for you. Yeah, it's been interesting this trip, especially because I'm here with my boyfriend and it's his first time okay. in Iceland. And so like we've just been like roaming around like Reykjavik and he was like, oh, it's almost like I'm coming to like visit you like in your second home. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is this. Or this is that street. And here's here. And everything seems like pretty familiar to me, yeah. which is why like on every trip I try to do something different because I don't want to come and do the same things. Like, I don't know if you've been to Bergson, that cafe. Mm-hmm. I go to the one by City Hall on every single trip that I come here because I love the food <laughs> and like some things I do like, you know, the familiar right. and like I go there because I like it a lot. But again, like trying to do something a little bit different every year just to keep it interesting. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And that's awesome. 10 years strong coming yeah, to Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and have you usually been doing it solo? or? Uh, it depends on the year. Like the first, I think, three or four trips I did on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I started like making, actually there's like a weird like circle of people in New York who are also obsessed with Iceland. <laughs> so actually through class I met a bunch of them and they did like meetups as like yeah, an extension nice. of like the classes. So, you know, I went to visit my Icelandic teacher and she was from Akureyri. So we mm-hmm. actually went to like stay with her parents and, Whoa, okay. and with her kids and we did like airwaves together. And then I met some other friends who have been to Iceland even more times than I have. One of my friends, David, he... Okay actually has a house here and he's like yeah I've been to Iceland the last count he had I think was 50 Whoa. something and the first time he came was like in the 70s or something like, <laughs> okay. as a kid, like yeah with he his also, family he also got time on his side yeah so then we like we've done camping trips together yeah and, and again like with partners I've been here a few yeah. times with my boyfriend yeah previous boyfriend sorry <laughs> So, yeah, it's been interesting. Okay. It's different when I'm, like, also, like, on my own versus, like, having friends or partners to, to share the experience with. But every time it's great, so yeah. no complaints. That's awesome. And 10 years ago, I'm just thinking about, like, because now there's, like, ridiculous amounts of blogs and videos yeah. and whatever else. What made you feel like Iceland was a safe place for you to come alone as a female, for instance? Because I know some people, when they're solo traveling, especially females, it's like... Do I trust this place? How can I know I can trust this place? I'm just curious. Was that even a concern of yours or was it for this specific place or was it just like, "Mm, it seems like it'll be fine. I'm not going to worry about it. No, I actually did look up like safe places. I think it was like a Google search, safe places for solo travelers Mm -hmm. or is Iceland safe for solo female travelers? And yeah, I mean like the crime stats are like pretty low here and just like not a lot of people live here. (laughs) And actually like in the earlier times like I don't even think like Yelp wasn't a thing like Instagram like travel community wasn't a thing so actually like I think the first places that I looked was on Reddit (laughs) (laughs) nice see like okay (laughs) let's just see what's out there and yeah and now you know there's tons of places you can go to for recommendations yeah so much of the landscape has changed but at the same time so many people haven't visited yet yeah yeah. when did you decide to start learning Icelandic I think it's probably like after my third and fourth trip Somewhere in between there. And there's actually, like, my former Icelandic teacher, she was living in... She's Icelandic, obviously. But she had moved to New Jersey okay. with her family, had kids there. And there's a Scandinavia house in Manhattan. And she would teach classes there. And she actually had, like, a lot of people in her class. So, like, surprisingly, yeah. like... And, like, most people were there because they had, like, a partner who was Icelandic. They wanted to communicate with, like, with their families or they were planning on moving here. But there were some people, like me... They were just like, no, I think this is just a fun thing to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> and how has that been going for you so far? It's been hard, actually. Icelandic is obviously very difficult to learn. And then my teacher also happened to move back to Iceland. And yeah. so I've been trying to like learn on my own. I did online classes for a little bit. But yeah, it's been hard. And also when you're trying to learn a language, 
in a place that doesn't speak the language、mm-hmm. and it's not like you know I think for Spanish you could learn pretty easily like in the States because we have a lot of、yes. you know Spanish speaking especially New York speaking, City yeah 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 everyone like at the corner bodega or like you know you run into people all the time that have Spanish background but yeah with Icelandic it's really really hard and I think also with language like the more you use it the、mm-hmm. faster and better you get and I have no opportunities to do that、yeah. so I think my vocabulary is like decent because that's what I do on my Instagram account、mm-hmm. and you know I read dictionaries and stuff but yeah the speaking of it and the comfort level too it's been really really difficult and funnily enough I also decide to learn Dutch and like Dutch it's like so crazy like learning a language that's like so much easier because in the <laughs> year like I speak like a decent、yeah. Dutch like not fluent by any means but like Grammatically speaking, and just my comfort level, it's just like wow, in、yes. one year, like you can pick up a language in Icelandic. It's been a long time for me, and still, like, I'm nowhere near being fluent or even being like comfortable. I can do like basic things. Yeah, like, yeah. Know, I can、I'm, totally understand that. I mean, from my perspective, I've been、yeah. here for a few years, and I can speak it decently. But my biggest problem is when I go to speak it, I'm thinking too much about it because the grammar is so difficult.、Yeah. And you're just thinking, like, how does that conjugate again? Or what?、Yeah. And your brain is just like, I don't understand why this has to be so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the declensions、yeah. really get you. Yeah. And, like, I've never learned a language that had some, like, declensions. Like, it was the first time, like, running into that. And even just, like, I had to learn the words, like, nominative, genitive. Yeah, I'm just like,、right? what are those again? <laughs> I basically, yeah, exactly. That was another thing that I thought was interesting. Is I learned not only just about language, but, but about the formation of language、yeah. and how important that is because of having to learn a language that's difficult and really old and is preserved.、Yeah. Right? It's just like, because apparently, like, as languages evolve, they get easier. And、yeah. because Icelandic hasn't really evolved,、yeah. we get to have it nice and hard. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's a pain in the butt, but at the same time, a real fun challenge because、yeah. once you start to notice something that you didn't understand before, you're like, oh, that's、yeah. amazing. Is that what that means all the time? <laughs> it's or like even a eureka moment. Yeah. Like, I always find it fascinating when I hear someone say something, and they've been saying it for a while, but maybe they say it so fast in Icelandic that you don't catch it, and then、mm-hmm. all of a sudden you catch it, and you're like, oh, what? Are you serious? <laughs> it was that simple, right? It's just like <laughs> annoying. But now that you're, are you still continuously learning on your own at、yeah. the moment? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any resources that have been really useful to you as you've been doing that? Yeah, so actually, the book that I have been using is the same one that my old Icelandic teacher taught me because it's available online for free. It's called Islandska Fir Atla.、Mm-hmm. And you can, yeah, download the PDF. And they also have all of the audio files, which is super helpful because, again, I don't hear Icelandic ever on the streets of right, New York.、Yeah. So just having, like, oh, that's like the sound that I'm supposed to be making with my voice is super helpful. I've also just, like, downloaded, like, I love cartoons and, like, children's movies. And I've downloaded some, like, Disney movies where、mm-hmm. it's, like, I know the plot already. So, like, I'm not trying to understand this for like what they're trying to say. Like, I know the story of like Aladdin and、right. Despicable Me. It's just, again, hearing those sounds and like picking up a few words here and there.、Yeah. That's been really helpful. And also like fun because I love children's movies. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, is a great thing that you're doing because your familiarity with it, like, it's such a foreign language, like you mentioned, that you know it already. <laughs> you know already. So, if people are hearing anything in the background, it's because we're at the library and there's a children's section that's very close, <laughs> close by. So, such is life. Yeah, because I remember when I was watching, I think, The Little Mermaid in Icelandic, and I was like, this is so fascinating, right? <laughs> to me, like, to first of all, hear it in Icelandic,、mm-hmm. but then see like, the subtitles, and you're、yeah. like, okay. <laughs> Helps to put two and two together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. And what inspired you to start creating icons for Icelandic words? 
I think part of it just came from the fact that I like pictures a lot. You know, I've been drawing since I was a little kid, and it's just I like pictures and images and doodles. It's just like a part of like how I spend my free time. Yeah. So I started with the word "efiatleyokud," and that to me just. I was trying to like break down the word because it's a, it's a long word, and I just realized like oh there's like three different like individual words in this, and it'd be cool to just be able to like put that together. And I like the idea of like the sum of these parts mm-hmm. like is greater than yeah, it's like the name of a big volcano. It's a very famous volcano, but really it's just an island, mountain, glacier. Yes. You know? <laughs> so that like concept was really interesting to me, and I like icons too because. You just kind of see them everywhere. You like forget that you know, like a stoplight is an icon, mm-hmm. or you, the bathroom sign that you look for when you're in a library or a museum. Yeah. Like I just like the idea of they're super simple, they're universal. Like you don't need an explanation for what it is. It's like it is what it is. It's mm-hmm. an icon for a reason. And that paired with the fact that I was trying to learn a language where like nothing made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I just really like that kind of. Paradox. Also, icons are a lot easier to make than drawing. I'm not very good at drawing, so <laughs> there's a practical element to that as well. Yeah. Had you been making icons before this? This is my first icon project. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it's just like it was an experiment of making icons and yeah. also developing it. Yeah. And like I think from like a creative side, that's also interesting because some icons are super straightforward. Like mountain. Great. Everybody knows what a mountain is. Yeah. But like the other day, I was trying to make an icon for fjord, and I was like, I don't really know how to draw this. So I'm like. Googling pictures of like fjords and like illustrations of fjords, and especially when you get into like the conceptual words, where like nobody's ever had to make a single icon to represent like you know creativity or yeah. like you know something like that. So that has been just again like a creative challenge to like how do I express these words that are very complicated yeah. and kind of like distill that into one single line icon. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating and. Sounds like it's fun though. It's like yeah, no, it is because it keeps it, it more interesting. Like as yeah. you dig deeper into learning the language, yeah. you dig deeper into like your own creativity as mm-hmm. well because the icons are kind of all part of that at yeah. the same time, and you get to share it with other people, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, Speaking of which, you have a book called Iceland and Icons, yes. a pictographic travel guide, and obviously the use of icons to represent places and words in Icelandic are what make it unique. But I'm just curious about what else makes it different than other travel guides. I mean, part of the inspiration for that was I had written a column for the Reykjavik Grapevine, and it was all to do with like idioms, looking at like just like cultural elements, like the sports culture in Iceland and like folklore. And as I was like researching for the column, I just realized like there's so much more, you know, that you can just dive into if you're really interested in Iceland.、Mm-hmm. And I wanted to package that up for someone like me who might be coming to Iceland just as a, you know, oh, it's like I'm just here for vacation.、Yeah. But being able to have a resource that is talking about, you know, you might be at Thingvellir, and it is named after this, and here's a little piece of history,、mm-hmm. and it's beautiful on its own. But I think again, like that cultural and historical context can. Make a place a lot more significant for someone who might be visiting. So I think, like again, like 
there's the symbolic elements of like the icons and that context. And I wrote it from the perspective of a foreigner because I am very, very conscious of the fact that like I'm not from Iceland. I don't live here. I like this place a lot and I have spent a lot of time researching it. So it's just sharing like, hey, here's some really cool discoveries that that I have made. And everything's been checked by my editor who is Icelandic. (laughs) (laughs) Not just making stuff up as we go. Sounds good, right? (laughs) And there are a few things that he was like, I don't think this is factually accurate. So like, Mm. we're going to take this out or like, you should just like make sure that you research this correctly because, you know, not all sources are reliable. That's the other Um, problem. There's so much information that you just don't always know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with, like, social media. And, like, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, as you may imagine. Mm. And I think especially with, like, the photography, like, where I, like, bookmark things. I was like, yes, Mm. I want to go here. And then you actually find out, like, this doesn't actually look like what I saw Mm. on the photo because a lot of doctoring. I guess that's part of the mystery of (laughs) traveling and actually seeing things for yourself. Yes, that's true. And also Instagram is kind of rewarded for having this ridiculously beautiful photo so you know the saturation or even kind of like you said doctoring of the image is all too often (laughs) although I guess like I think Iceland is probably one of the few places where when you go to the place you're like oh wow wow this place is really beautiful and it does actually look like the photo like even though like you might not believe like oh no that that looks like it's too good to be true Mm. but actually a lot of beautiful places here yeah it also depends on the weather. Oh, totally. Right? So that yeah. day, it's like, oh, I got the foggy day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't see, I can't see that view. Okay, yeah. that's cool. A lot of right? days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. A lot of it's like luck too, right? Mm-hmm. My boyfriend and I were just talking about like the northern lights and how it's just like sometimes you get lucky, sometimes yeah. you don't get lucky and you can't, there's no way of planning for that stuff, which for me is a pain because I love to plan like everything to a T. Like when we come to Iceland, it's yeah. like, okay, we have an itinerary. We're going to go do all of these things. But at the end of the day, like you could do your best, but yeah, can't. Have you yeah. seen them? I have actually, okay. yeah. There's actually one year I saw it like in August. Yeah. Was it like late went, August or? I think it was mid to late. Okay. I think I don't remember exactly when because it was like five or six years ago. But yeah, we were up in actually by Dinyande in the West Fjords, mm. and it was pretty faint, but clearly yeah. like very visible. So it could happen at any time. Yeah, true. That is true. You're, you're giving people some hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You come at like the tail end of summer because yeah. like the companies here, they at least start advertising late August. But it's like technically yeah. your, your chances are not so good. But yeah. you might get lucky. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, because I remember there was, I think it was also the tail end of summer where like they just had super, super strong northern lights and the city ended up turning off some yes. of the street lights. And I think that was like in the summer, mm-hmm. right? Ish. Yeah, it was like the tail end shoulder yeah. season. So yeah. it is possible. Yeah. Nature and is weird. It's it, just doing its own thing. So. What was amazing is I loved when the city, I think one of the nights the city just turned the lights off. It actually wasn't that great. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, <laughs> Mother Nature. <laughs> it's really like that. <laughs> you thought you got it. But since you've been here so many times and quite familiar with Iceland and getting more familiar with Icelandic. Just wondering, have you ever saw yourself living here? Is that a plan that you have? I mean, a thought has definitely crossed my mind. It's a little bit complicated because, like, my citizenship is Canadian. I've been in New York for 12 years, and for a long time, I was like, I need to get my green card. (laughs) 
Like, that's priority number one. Yeah. And that kind of ties up any other options. And I think, like, one of the reasons that I loved Iceland so much the first couple times I came here was that it provides a very, very stark contrast between New York. And, you know, I lived mm-hmm. in Manhattan for 11 years in very tiny apartment, like, on top of a bar, like, with three roommates. Yeah. Like, all different types of people squashed in a <laughs> tiny place with very, very little nature, very little yeah. space, very little peace and quiet. And then I came here and... And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) there's so much space. And just having that space, I think, is really important for an individual because that gives us just the ability to relax and unwind and think and just breathe. And, yeah, yeah, I think being alone is, is really, really important. And so always, like going back to Manhattan and kind of like living in this tiny little space and then coming here and really being able to like open up and relax like that has been an interesting just like dynamic between the two places and I know that having gone through the green card process that just moving to another country like it's hard like people do it it is possible but logistically speaking it is very difficult so Again, I've been so focused on, like, trying to figure out my life in New York that realistically, like, I don't know if I would be able to move here, you know, long term. But definitely in the future, I am planning on taking a little bit of, like, a life sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And part of that time will be dedicated to coming here, spending a little bit more time. I'm very interested in some of the artist residencies Mm -hmm. that are very, like, remote, but in a very beautiful place where, again, you just get to, like, relax and be alone and work on your craft, whatever that may be. And that to me is very appealing. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it sounds like best of both worlds in a way, right? Yeah, and also like New York's only like four and a half hours or five hours on a flight, so it makes it very easy to come back and forth. Yeah, agreed. That's why my family was like, all right, (laughs) (laughs) we're okay with you (laughs) leaving. Have they come to visit you? Yeah, yeah, they've been here a lot, which is great, and for the holidays and things like that as well. And I agree, like I was just ready to move, to be fair, Mm -hmm. when it came to leaving New York. But the contrast, like people ask all the time, why would you move from New York City? As if New York City is the only place you can possibly live where you'd be happy, right? Yeah, I think that's like a very New York mentality. Yeah. To, oh no, this is the best thing. Why would you yeah. ever, you know? No, there's like different places, yeah. different things out there. A lot of Icelandic people also are like, Iceland? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because they're, even though they love Iceland and, you know, think it's the best in the world, at the same time, there's like this weird dance of like insecurity about like, because it's so tiny, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just like, Wait, you would move here from there? Right? Like, that's crazy. And I'm just like, but here is so different. Yeah. Right? I totally feel that. So I think that's all another like big city thing is you mm-hmm. just need to get to places where there's nature. You're not feeling yeah. like you're going to Central Park where everything has been, you know, organized yeah, specifically. Manicured, right. Yeah. It's just it's so Ugh, it's hard to let yourself just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It's like a whole day affair to be like, oh, I want to go for a hike. Okay, like, we got to get the car. Mm-hmm. We have to drive two or three hours. And then it's two or three hours back. And that's, yeah. like, the closest kind of place. Yep. Or you take the train. And, yeah, just I think people take for granted, like, even on the West Coast where it's like, oh, yeah, like, 30-minute drive. And we can just, like, go to the beach or, yeah. like, be on a mountain. Like, that's... Yeah, I think, like, also the older I get, the more I appreciate, like, oh, yeah. it's not just about big cities where I have bars to go to all the time. <laughs> like, it's nice to be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Peace and quiet. Indeed. 
So I saw on your Instagram that you have stayed and work on a farm yeah. while in Iceland. And so I'm just curious about that experience. Yeah, this is like one of those like funny, like friend of a friend of a friend. So one of the friends that I met through Icelandic class, he had met this farmer randomly. They were going to the same fish festival up in somewhere, I don't even know where it was, near Dalvik maybe. And they were just like camping like nearby each other and like made friends. And she was like, oh, I have a sheep farm. It's like, you know, two hours from here, you guys should come by. And so he and his wife went and and stayed on the sheep farm and he was helping out during lambing season mm. and he had told me about it when he came back and like he just had like the most amazing time nice. his wife not so much he oh like, no she <laughs> stayed in the house and she knit you know okay, so she still okay. had things to do but yeah. he was like not for everybody True. but if you're up for the smells and the sights then totally worth investigating so yeah, yeah he was just like I'll connect you on Facebook yeah. and she was like when do you want to come I'll pick you up at the bus station nice. it's so crazy like how things like this just kind of like happen here it's like oh yeah friend of a friend like okay great just come over whenever mm-hmm. so I went over there this was May of last year during lambing season and just stayed, you know, in their house and they were just like, okay, like every morning we're going to drive to the little sheep shed and we're going to teach you about like just sheep and lambs. And I mean, I've gone to farms before, like, oh, apple picking season. Yeah. Like, okay, let's go for a hayride. But right. I've never spent any time on a farm and I love farms, but it's so much work. Yeah. It's very hard work. Like, and you know, during the lambing season, they need 24 hour surveillance of like, cause you know, sheep can give birth at any mm-hmm. time. And you know, sometimes there are complications. So yeah, like we would go in like shifts and thankfully yeah. I did not have the graveyard <laughs> shift, but yeah, the, the farmer's husband and like the yeah. son, like they would, you know, go and take turns like sleeping during the day and just so that somebody could be there in case there's a lamb born at, at oh. three in the morning but yeah it's really cool I've never quite experienced anything like it yeah. definitely have more appreciation for lamb <laughs> soup and shanks and yeah lamb everything had um, you seen a birth before no okay that no, was the other thing I was gonna time, say yeah. uh, an animal birth but I was like in general I mean no, that's I've never seen intense. anything yeah, born, and I've also never seen anyone go up into a sheep. <laughs> All right. They have these gloves that go up, like, kind of up towards, oh, like, the middle of your forearm because sometimes you do have to go in. Yeah. They have, like, these weird devices that are, I think they're made out of, like, coat hangers or something because sometimes you got to, like, pull them out. And, yeah, yeah it's... But they're very, you know, they know what they're doing. So yeah. they're, like, very calm. And meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, my God, what is happening here? <laughs> like, I'm freaking out. There's a lot of liquids and blood and things everywhere. But, yeah, it's definitely one of the highlights of my trips here for sure. Because, like, even, like, I would tell people from Reykjavik, like, oh, I just, you know, came back from, you know, sheep farm from Kvamsangke. And they were like, oh, even we have never been to, like, a sheep farm and, like, helped out during, like, lambing yeah. season. That's just, like, not something that we choose to do in our spare time. Right. But, yeah. And even my parents were like, why are you going there? <laughs> what are you doing there? But I think it was totally worth it. Yeah. It's a, a completely unique experience yeah. for sure. Yeah. My husband and some other Icelanders, like, in the years past, they used to be sent to the farms in, like, the summertime. Okay, yeah. As, like, part of Summer their job. teenage <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Their teenage yeah. years. But that just slowly shifted away as a thing. So mm-hmm. like you're saying like Reykjavik, you know, Icelanders are kind of like the cool city kids. <laughs> right? Never maybe get their hands dirty that yeah. way. So they're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like 
It's like they're tasty lambs, but I don't ever have yeah. to deal with it, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's also, like, for me, really meaningful because, you know, I eat meat. I love all types of food. And I think particularly, like, in the States, we have this huge disconnect between, mm-hmm. like, the animals that live on the farm and then, like, what you see on the package yeah. shelf. And, like, it doesn't look anything like the animal, you know? It's so, it's so for me to see, like, this is where they are born, they're raised, and eventually they'll be slaughtered and then they become food for you know the people that live here like that I think is really important and and for me just personally just like a a thing that I wanted to to see and experience for myself and so I'm very grateful that you know my friends made a friend (laughs) (laughs) this campsite and yeah I just got connected through there and do you recommend this then to others if they can you know yeah I mean if you don't mind like the smells and if you don't mind getting a little dirty like and you want to see what it's like to live on a farm there's like nothing at this farm except for the sheep house and Mm -hmm. like the farmer's house (laughs) I think Kvanstange which was like the closest city was or town I guess you should call it it was like a 20, 25 minute drive. And so you just get to experience like this beautiful fjord and yeah. there's nobody there. And like this was like right in the beginning of the summer. So the sunsets mm. are beautiful. The sunrises are beautiful. And so if you're yeah looking to get away for a little bit and yeah. like really try something different, <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Have you ever been involved with uh, Rietir, which is when they're either like collecting the sheep and like separating them? And no, everything? that's like one of the things like on my long list okay. of things that I want to still do in Iceland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, that's much easier to get involved with <laughs> than having to know like a farmer or something. Yeah. It's funny. I think they even list it in different places where they're going to be happening mm-hmm. in September. Yeah. It's like I, I went to my first one last month. Oh, wow. We were kind of late, though. That was kind of... <laughs> So we got there, most of the sheep were already separated. Uh, okay. But it was still just really fascinating because sheep here are so used to being off on their own, mm-hmm. right? So they're wild in essence yeah. to some degree. And they're also like, when they see humans, they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who are you? Like when they're coming back. So getting a chance to just be close to them is another thing that just felt like more closer to the nature here yeah. in Iceland, right? And yeah, like. Yeah. There were a couple of lambs, so I guess had been born in the mountains. So, like, that was, yeah, because they were just so small. And you're like, oh, my gosh, and just yeah. seeing them. It was a, a fun experience. I mean, I didn't do the actual going into the mountains and rounding them up, and which I w- am interested in doing, mm-hmm. but it's hard work. Yeah. Like, when I talk to people who do it, it's just like, yeah, this is, you know ridiculous amounts of walking or riding on a horse mm-hmm. and whatever else and these sheep go up to as high as they possibly can yeah. <laughs> right? fast yes. you know so and like also the paths are for them right mm-hmm. so you could be if you're walking you're kind of screwed because you're not a sheep right? so, so that all of that I just find totally like interesting to experience so. yeah so for those who can't make it to the farm to live you can at least like come in September and take part in that yeah perhaps yeah and I hope you also get a chance. To yeah, do that. I'm hoping to. Maybe next year. And like I remember there's a guy who goes by the handle Icelandic Explorer. I don't mm-hmm. know if you follow him yeah. on Instagram. His girlfriend is one of my really good friends. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I went to visit their like co working space mm-hmm. the last time I was here. Very cool. But um I saw this really, really cool video that he posted. Yeah. It's an aerial video mm-hmm. of just like the Rietir and all of the sheep, like and it's like so cool to see and also that perspective is like really amazing to see it from above but yeah really cool stuff i I do follow him and i saw that and i was like ah this is yeah awesome (laughs) (laughs) such a good idea right yes so we're gonna move on to the question i ask everybody in the podcast which is 
What is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Ah, feel free to pick a couple if you. No, want it's to. like yes. I have one. I actually have a tattoo on it okay. on my arm, and it's "hugmundaflug." It's the word for imagination, and you can kind of like do it in two different parts. So "hugmund," the word for idea, is the combination of the word "hugur," which is mind, and "mind," picture. So mm-hmm. then you have idea, and then "flug" is flight. So when you combine idea and flight, mm-hmm. you get "hugmundaflug," which is imagination. And my friend David, that I mentioned earlier. I asked him if he like knew what it meant, and he was like, "Oh, what is that? A flight of fancy?" And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's very poetic. I like it. But I just love this idea of the idea, like a picture in your mind. Because again, for me, because I I draw and like I'm very visual. I always have pictures in my head, and just like the idea that it's taking flight and becoming something mm-hmm. real, like it brings me back to what I was trying to accomplish when I first started drawing icons and learning Icelandic and I think it kind of like rolls on the tongue in like a really nice way. Yeah. So yeah, a couple years ago I got a tattoo of it on my arm and just a reminder to be, yeah, it's just nice. good to get lost in your imagination sometimes and sometimes it results in cool projects. <laughs> Indeed. And that is awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking of like, that is a really cool word. So. You're speaking at TEDx, Reykjavik, which is awesome. Congrats to you. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll be awesome. And I'm just wondering if people want to keep up with all the things that you're doing, because on your website you have other works that you do, including you know your icon stuff for Iceland. So where should people follow you? On Instagram is the best place. My handle is every single word in Icelandic. All one word, all lowercase. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much for so much coming for on the show. Me. It's been a blast. Thank you.